I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of A View from the Bridge, a football.london podcast. Um, we will today be reflecting on Chelsea's first pre-season match where they beat League Two side Wrexham 5-0 in North Carolina. I am joined today, by, as always, by um, Scott Trotter, who is currently in America and I think he's just woken up, um, so you might be a bit tired, but how are you overall, Scott? Yeah, yeah, very good. Um obviously got back from the game last night and was working late. And I think there was some, either Chelsea or Wrexham fans has been a few knocking around the hotel, playing in the outdoor pool. That was definitely meant to close at 11. So they, they were having a good time, but uh, yeah, a little, little bit sleepy. Now. Yeah. Great to hear. Um, very jealous of you out in America. I'm currently back in very overcast England um, where I'm still working, but um, unfortunately not at the games like Scott, but Either way, I did manage to see um, Chelsea win uh, 5 0 against Wrexham last night in Mauricio Pochettino's first match as Chelsea manager. And Scott, I'm just going to ask you, for, first of all, for your, um, for your overall feelings on the game and, you know, how how was it? Yeah, it, it was good. Um, I think it definitely had friendly vibes. You could you could tell it was first game of preseason. Um, Chelsea were probably playing in a crowd that more heavily supported Wrexham. They, they did get the bigger cheers for their attacks, uh, which I don't know if it was surprised or not, given obviously the success of, of Wrexham's documentary and stuff. But Pochettino gave uh, a big chance to a number of youngsters. Uh, we kind of got a hint in training that the side he was going to pick um, was going to be young. Uh, Trevor Chalaba, captain of the side, first captain of Pochettino's era, uh, which was interesting to note. But Overall, I think the team played pretty well. Lots of bodies got minutes. Um, obviously, Ian Matson scored two goals, both really well taken. Uh, Andres Santos and Cesar Casade uh, took control of the base of midfield. They were both pretty impressive too. Um, had a longer time on the pitch. Um, yeah, it, it, it was good. Uh, you can't complain with a, a 5-0 victory. Like you say, it's a difficult to tell when, when there's not a great deal of intensity at times. I think Chelsea was so much more clinical. They really had a golfing class between themselves and Wrexham, um, who did have opportunities themselves, but the conditions as well. It was hot and humid um, in the night of Chapel Hill, but they, they, they got the job done. They, they secured some momentum and some valuable fitness too. Yeah, um, you touched on Ian Matson there. I want to talk to you a bit more about him. He obviously got Chelsea's first two goals. Um, playing in a slightly uh, different position to maybe what we expected. Um, you know, he's played a lot of his football, whether that's at Burnley or Chelsea development squad as a left-back. But last night, it was a slightly different role for him. 
Yeah, he played um, on the wing. I think he played there a couple of times, maybe when he was on loan at Coventry, but certainly not what he is known for. Um, he is absolutely rapid. He, uh, Wrexham really had trouble kind of dealing with his change in pace. Whenever they looked sort of like they were going to settle comfortably on the ball, he would really be able to attack it. And that, that was really promising to see on his press. Um, he took his goals really well. Certainly the second one on his right foot, I thought was a really brilliant finish. Um, the first one, again, did well, but probably Nicholas Jackson, the, the bigger winner in that one for what he did in the assist. But I think it was interesting to see him put there. Marco Correa and Ben Chilwell got the minutes at left back uh, last night while Lewis Hall came on in the centre of midfield in the second half as well. Um, so it was interesting to see where perhaps those two in Chilwell and Kukurea maybe the favoured left-back options at the moment. I did ask Pochettino in the press conference uh, on Tuesday, if that's right there, um, about the left-back situation. He seemed pretty relaxed about having all those contenders. He did single out Chilwell and Kukurea as the experienced heads and Matson and Hall as the younger ones, which is obviously pretty obvious because that is the case. But he seemed to suggest that there'd be time for, for the young guys to impress uh, their claim on the position a little bit. And, you know, Matson probably couldn't have done much more in 45 minutes and score two goals. Chelsea don't do that very often. I was talking to a couple of people and we've maybe decided on Marcus Alonso, but a little bit better than Marcus Alonso um, in terms of his goal scoring press. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, he did speak after the game as well. Matson and he said he ideally would like to stay at the club. Um, he's going to see what chances he get. He's had conversations with Pochettino, who apparently always has the door open. He wouldn't give too much with regard to those conversations. But yeah, overall, pretty pretty good for me and Matson. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he can't complain with that first instance, and because I don't think he's going to be a winger long term going forward for Chelsea, given all the competition they have in those positions. Hopefully we, we see him with a chance at left back before the two is out. Yeah, I was I was going to ask um, about that what you just touched on because like, obviously, like you said, four left backs. Obviously, Lewis Hall more of a central midfielder, but has played his first team football as a left back mainly. Um, so maybe that maybe there will be a chance for um, Matson next season on left wing, even if that's just coming on because you think now um, with the amount of players Chelsea have let go this summer and you know still. Still a few to leave, potentially, in Ziyech, Hudson-Odoi. Chelsea actually haven't got too many wingers. Um, so Madawicki and Mudrick, Sterling are probably the three, unless I'm missing someone. Um, yeah, obviously... I think it's just whether they keep the likes of uh, Diego Marrero, who obviously played last night, Angelo, Gabriel, they're more right-sided players. But yeah, I think it, it just depends what happens with all these guys who could go on loan. Yeah, I think it's a helpful option as well, because... Like you said, Matson is blisteringly quick, and if you can bring him on at the end of a game to, you know, maybe be an option on the counter attack, or even sometimes um, you quite often see managers bring a fullback on and put them in front of another fullback if they're defending games um, just slightly more forward than the actual fullback. So I think that definitely is an option. Um, I want to move on from Matson. Um, talk about the midfield pivot um, that started of. Cesar Casade and Andre Santos. Um, unless unless you watched Italy at the Euros, which I didn't, it's probably, or you watched Championship football last season, 
it's probably the first time a lot of Chelsea fans would have seen Castell play last night, and the same goes for Andre Santos. So, how do you think they did? Yeah, pretty good again. Um, as you say, they both started as the base of the midfield. Um, both players, and this was in the training session too. They were uh, kind of tasked with collecting the ball from between the centre halves and really starting to progress the ball forwards. I think Santos probably showed a lot of what we've heard. He was good on the turn, did always look for that forward pass and try to find Carney Chukwemeka, who was slightly advanced. I think Casadea probably made the bigger impression, both for good and bad reasons. He he stands out as such a physical presence once he got running forward in a straight line. Wrexham just didn't really have an answer at all. But there were some sloppy moments. He, he kind of couldn't stop himself um, in some moments, but he did have some really nice touches. I thought he probably looked a bit more natural in the second half, actually, when he was allowed in a more advanced role. Um, Conor Gallagher came on with Santos to start, and they were the, were the deeper players, and Cassidy was allowed to play a bit higher up the pitch. And I think that looked a bit more natural, and I think a bit more akin to what he was doing for Italy at that uh, World Cup in the summer. Um, so that was interesting to see. Uh, I think it's difficult to tell at this stage whether either of them do have the kind of level to play Premier League football consistently. It's still very early and it was only Wrexham with not kind of too much disrespect to them, I guess. Uh, Pochettino said at the game, he did like the profile of both players. He was pretty non-committal when a journalist did ask him, uh, do you see them as having the quality to last for the Premier League season? Uh, so again, really interesting what uh, is done with them. Obviously, football league stuff starts in probably less than two weeks now, I think. Um, so they're unlikely to be a, a new side if they are. Uh, at least Cassidy, I think, has been linked to Leicester um, for the kickoff of the season, but obviously valuable information for Pochettino and the players in these coming weeks. And again, good to see them get some extensive minutes because Chelsea still don't have many central midfielders. Enzo Fernandez wasn't involved at all last night, obviously just back into training. Um, and it'll be interesting when they get to play with him as well, because I think obviously the chance going into the season of them both playing together at the same time is maybe a little bit unlikely. So to see how they fit with him, it'll, it'll be really interesting. But yeah, I think both, you you wouldn't complain with that contribution in the first game. And I think if, if you did want to, Cassidy probably made the bit, bigger impact. But again, for both good and bad reasons. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I was really impressed um, with both. I, I do think as well, um, perhaps Pochettino hasn't even decided yet what he's going to do with them because, you know, these run of games, the Wrexham game, perhaps can't read too much into it because of the level of opposition, no disrespect. But obviously you've got these three Premier League games now back-to-back uh, for Premier League teams, not not actually in the Premier League. But um, that will, I think that will be a bigger indication of what, these youngsters can do, you know, Cassidy and Santos, both really highly rated and both um, Chelsea fans have wanted to see play for a long time, but it'll be interesting to see what they do on Sunday against Brighton, even perhaps against Moises Caicedo, ironically, 
Um, if he does play or if he doesn't play, then, you know, Brighton have still got good midfield options. So it'll be interesting to see if they can match up with the physicality and skill of them because it's going to be completely different from playing against League Two players where, you know, they're quite often they'll be playing better opposition for the development side. So, and, but yeah, it's super interesting. And I, I can't wait to see what Pochettino does. Even if he can keep one of the two players this season, I think I'll be really excited because they've both got, you know, brilliant talent and like you said Chelsea have not um blessed with a number in central midfielders at the moment so yeah um gonna move on a bit further up the field to Nicholas Jackson again like a lot of Chelsea fans wouldn't have seen him play before um I thought he did I thought he looked quite good I thought he surprised me sort of just from what I'd read and heard about him and watched a few clips I thought he was very much one of those strikers who doesn't get involved too much, runs in behind a lot, but he, he got on the ball quite a bit, bit, I thought, and like he linked up really well with some players. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one player I was most impressed with last night, I think it probably would be Nicholas Jackson, despite no goal. Um, he seemed so dominant, gathering the ball, holding it up, wasn't frightened to kind of keep a hold of it, bring it in the midfield, lay it off. Uh, yeah, really, really impressed. And he said he had some... Nice interactions setting up uh, Matson for his goal, and there was a few other instances. But I think a striker situation so interesting for Chelsea. Um, a lot of questions whether they have enough in the position. I think Jackson's performance would have been quite reassuring. It certainly was for me. Again, not the stiffest test he will ever face, but he did seem a level above to a degree. He did have the capability to test the defence in behind as well. You could see that. And yeah, given he's obviously not been around Chelsea too long, it was really promising uh, to see that after he's moved from Villarreal, um, particularly since Amanda Brugge is still at home, um, not quite ready to come back into this run of matches um, as he rehabilitates from that major injury uh, in the winter. And of course, I guess it may as well touch on Christopher and Kunku who took the role in the second period. Um, he struggled to get anywhere near as involved as what Jackson did. I think you could tell it perhaps wasn't his most natural position. Leading line maybe preferred to be a little bit deeper or just off a striker maybe. Um, but he took his goal pretty well. Um, I think maybe nearly lost it as he tried to take it to, to the right of the box, but kept his composure and did finish and, I think you can't really be too disappointed with the contribution from either of them last night. Yeah, particularly with um, Nkunku hasn't had that much time to train either, which yeah. you've, got, you've got to account for. Um, but I think I did show, again, you're going to keep saying it, not, not against the greatest opposition, but it shows that he's a goal scorer. Um, he, he might have got a bit fortunate. I think the keeper sort of parried it a bit to a bit of a wider angle, but it's still, I think it was still a decent finish, even though it was an open goal. Um and I think, interestingly, what you said, he, he has recently just done um, spoke to the press and said that it is, that's his position. So it's clear that he wants to um, play there. And the fact that Pochettino brought him on there might suggest we will see some more um, from him in that role in, over the next few weeks. And yeah, perhaps into the new Premier League season. But I mean, um, there, are, there was one perhaps slight worry last night and that was Trevor Chalaber, um came off at the end can you tell us a bit more on that um, I saw you tweet tweet what Pochettino had to say about it yeah so 
it seems to have just been a little Achilles issue. It doesn't seem too serious. He seemed fine in the, in the mix zone afterwards. I don't think anybody particularly noticed when he came off that there was an issue. Um, so I think it's just one of those precautionary things of preseason. Uh, fingers crossed anyway. Obviously, that's all Cooker uh, come back on the pitch, which we were all a little bemused by in the press box, given that he'd already uh, started the game. But uh, not very had, Sunday league. Yeah, yeah, they, they they had an agreement for roll on, roll off. I think uh, if any incidents happened um, with referees and Wrexham's management as well, so apparently nothing to do with seeing Cooker as a stent off next to the likes of uh, with Chalibur and you know. They travel uh, morning to get to Philadelphia, and I think that's a bit more of a long-term base club. So hopefully, uh, Chalibur can recover well, and and they say hopefully it's just a bit tiredness and that Achilles, and, and nothing too serious. I think Pochettino did note that Thiago Silva was a bit unwell, and that's why he wasn't the one to come on the pitch. Um, so again, hopefully, nothing to worry about there either. Yeah, great for Chalibur as well to captain the side. I mean. Uh, you know, Cobham graduate. He's only 24. He, it feels like he's been around for a while, but he, he really hasn't. Um, so great for him to captain Messiah, no matter how sort of inexperienced it was. It must be a great experience. Um, I just want to talk about, rather than one player, I want to talk about the whole sort of system um, slash formation Pochettino played yesterday. Is there anything uh, like you picked up from the setup that, either encourages you or discourages you um just sort of anything you have to say on it really scott yeah i know it was nice to just kind of get the confirmation that it would be a sort of four two three one four three three uh kind of system i thought the probably the most interesting thing was when ben chilwell came on the second half just seeing how you know he fit into the pochettino style he would kind of push into the center midfield left back you would still push really high and provide the width i think for, for a lot of the match in the first half the fullbacks were the ones tasked with getting the width the wingers pushed a bit more centrally but yeah it looks like chillwell in particular is going to have a busy busy time i thought how he played um give a lot of encouragement to how reese james could fit in on the opposite side when he does um, arrive in the US, I think he'll be really comfortable coming into the centre of the pitch in comparison to Chilwell as well. So that'll be really interesting to see how he develops. But last night with Alfie Gilchrist, who, who does play more as a centre-half for the development team, usually he was at right-back and kind of played a more conservative role. He would push Chelsea into a back three with Chalibur and Humphreys when Chilwell was high up the pitch um, and looking to press. So yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. Um but otherwise, yeah, it was just nice to see how things were starting to play out, how those wingers moved. I thought Diego Moreira and Malagusto looked good as a combination in terms of positionally. Um, that, so that's obviously quite exciting. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Moreira can impress uh, before the summer's out. I don't think he had too much first-team football at Benfica at all because they kind of knew he was leaving at the end of his contract. And maybe that kind of has not allowed him to show just how good he is. Maybe he could have earned a few more opportunities in that first team squad. So, yeah, it was quite impressive as well. Um, I think another who, who just arrived, and again, we probably don't know too much about Angelo Gabriel. He, I guess, was sort of a default wing back when, with Chelsea kind of playing that sort of three at the back and four at the back. But he looks like a player who can make an impact. Um, he played a brilliant ball for Raheem Sterling where Sterling couldn't finish and he did provide the assist for uh, 
Ben Chilwell's goal was a really nice pass. He just looks like he has that decisive moment in him. And for a player I wasn't as familiar with, that was really impressive. Um, again, whether the whole 45 minutes he, he was super good, perhaps that would be overstating things, but he he certainly had something, an eye for a pass. And I think that, again, re- really promising, even if the opposition wasn't you know, the standard to require to, to really press a claim. Um, so I'm interested to see more from him, particularly given he just arrived a few days ago. Um, so that was a really exciting start, I thought. But yeah, overall, just just really interesting performance. Uh, I think Pochettino himself was interesting. Um, he obviously kind of lost it a little bit with the referee, not out of control, lost it but at halftime when the referee blew up too early and Chelsea were about to break. He wanted another goal and, and really wasn't too impressed that they'd went given the opportunity for another one. Um, Andres Santos too was Premen. Um, so that was really interesting to see just the intensity that put in probably been a little bit different to what, to what we've had since Thomas Tuchel departed. Um, and I think, I don't know, I guess I'd be interested in how intentional it was in terms of trying to put that competitive edge in the players and also, you know, as an acknowledgement to the fans as this is the, the standard that we're going for now. Yeah, I, I love that Pochettino moment. And like you touched on, I think it's something we didn't really see with Graham Potter much. Um, he never really endeared himself to the Chelsea fans as much as he perhaps could have. And obviously there are other factors to do with his sacking and his unsuccessful time, but I think that was a big one. And I, I think it's very important. There's a lot to be said about a manager getting on the fan side before anything else, really. And I think Pochettino is doing that. Um, just with his interviews, I think he has a, I think he has an aura about him. I think we spoke about that when he had his um, opening press conference a couple of weeks ago. And you know, last time was last night was the first time we we got to see him um, in the dugout for Chelsea, and to be like that for a pre-season friendly against a League Two side, I think shows what sort of um, character he is. And I think it's great that if you look at past Chelsea managers and Thomas Tuchel, um, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, they've all been successes and they've all been a bit loose like that. And I I think that's something that Pochettino is. And I I think that is great. Obviously, it's not all that. Otherwise, you know, any Chelsea fan could do it. Any diehard Chelsea fan could do it. There's obviously other stuff to do with it. And I, I'm hoping Pochettino has that as well. And I think he does. So, yeah, re- really exciting. Um, I had a question in mind. I was just going to ask, I was just going to ask you about the spectacle because, you know, preseason games, particularly those against Wrexham, it's a bit random. But what was it like in Chapel Hill as a spectacle? Um, was there a lot going on, that, like sort of inside and outside the ground, um, pre and post kickoff? Yeah, so I will say when I arrived in Chapel Hill um, Monday night, and we kind of made our way to press conference and stuff on Tuesday, the place was pretty quiet. Uh, it's a university area, uh, and there's not many students around at the moment. The Triangle area, I think, has three universities, and a lot of it is dictated by that. Um, was really cool in terms of the stadium, uh, Keenan Memorial Stadium. They, they did leave that open on Tuesday. People can kind of just go in and you can do that whole thing of running the bleachers and all that stuff, um, which I definitely wasn't doing in the heat, but it was a pretty cool <laughs> environment. Uh, the campus is, is really pretty massive and impressive. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't really know what to expect coming into match day. And then we arrived, I think I looked to get into Chapel Hill three or four hours before the game. Uh, getting an Uber there was pretty difficult. Um, then the drive there was difficult. Roads were closed. You could see fans kind of all heading to the game. There was a few more people around the hotel. Uh, certainly, there was more of a hub of activity. I think you get the sense lots of people have traveled here from the likes of, I think, as far as Texas and Canada. It's not just kind of local people. This this wasn't an event. And so I think I eventually got near the stadium, maybe around 5 p.m., three hours before kickoff. You kind of saw the tailgate stuff. There were people who were setting up tables outside the cars, having barbecue food and a drink and stuff before the game. They were queuing before they were allowed to get into the stadium. There was certainly uh, an excitement there, I think. There were some fan areas. Chelsea's was well attended. Wrexham's was well attended. Like I say perhaps a little bit more interest in Wrexham, or at least from the neutral, there was a uh, Wrexham support. Uh, it was very odd going to the game, walking to the game. You would see the Chelsea shirt being sold on the street by individuals, which obviously not out uh, yet in the UK. I don't think it's out anywhere yet. Um, so that was obviously interesting to see alongside the little messy shirts because obviously he's just completed his move to the MLS as well. So that's obviously a pretty big deal. Um, and some air horns being sold alongside that stuff. But what was kind of bemusing as a somebody from England uh, walking to the match, uh, there was a lot of Liverpool shirts. I saw an Arsenal shirt, a Crystal Palace shirt. Uh, that, that, that was bizarre from just like a cultural perspective, I guess. Obviously, still lots of like Argentina flags and stuff, a bit more country oriented as they go and see the the players who kind of represent the nations. But yeah, it was certainly interesting. Um, packed out crowd, and yeah, it, it was different, but a good experience, and I think a uh, large appreciation certainly from local media that people had came to the town and that the teams were were doing something to promote football in the area. Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, yeah, I've completely forgot about the messy thing, but I guess that's been quite a big thing since you've been over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, just before we move on to um, sort of Brighton and fixtures to come, I just because, you know, there were 20 players used last night, I worked out a minute ago. Um, is there anyone we haven't mentioned that deserves a shout? Um, only two players finished for 90 in Cassidy and Humphreys, I think. Um, is there anyone who deserves a shot? Yeah, I think Humphreys was, was very solid. Um, so that that's probably worth noting. Obviously, Chelsea centre-half situation had looked reasonably set, maybe some uncertainty about Trevor Chalabas' future. Uh, and I'd be interested to know your opinion. Wesley Fofana's injury, obviously, pretty significant. You reported that. Um, just as I was waking up in my first morning in Chapel Hill, Um so that was quite the news to wake up to. Uh, and it'll be interesting just where it leaves Humphreys and, and Chalabra, I think. Uh, just kind of looking at the situation as a whole, I think, to me, Chalabra, you can't let leave anymore, even if that was a consideration. Humphreys perhaps still has an opportunity to go out on loan because they do have so many, depending on Benoit Badia-Shield's recovery. But there is seemingly some interest in the likes of Mark Gay being reported now. Um, so I don't know whether Chelsea may delve back into the market from a personal uh, point of view, maybe still seems a bit unnecessary. 
But that is a significant injury for Fafana, not one the player or Chelsea would like to see. And I guess until he is back again and, and fit again, you can't really see how he's going to be able to impact the, the season for Chelsea again. And Pochettino did hope he, he would have some role before the end of the season, but I think that was probably a difficult uh, difficult impact on the team. And I don't know, have, have you heard anything about Chelsea's interest yet? Uh, not not too much on, you know, centre-backs coming in. Um, I reported quite heavily that Chadaber was open to leaving and Chelsea were open to selling him. And I've asked a couple of questions now, which I haven't had any luck with, but I'm trying to find out um, the situation now because obviously it does change these things in football. No one can predict them and it's it's such bad luck for Wesley Fofana. I feel awful for him because, you know, he's 22 years old, I think, and he's already been out with two of the worst injuries you can get as a footballer, as a broken leg or ankle. Um, and now rupturing your ACL is just horrendous, horrendous luck. And yeah, you know, reporters were asking Poch the other day if he... Um, he's likely to play again this season I guess, I guess with these sort of injuries it's hard to put a, an actual time scale on them it just depends on how each player recovers from them and you know each player is different and Fana might take longer than others particularly with his injury record um, but yeah it, it's such an unfortunate injury because it has a it has a long lasting impact as well um, unfortunately and I mean you look at Liverpool and Virgil van Dijk there's a lot of suggestions Van Dyke hasn't been the same player since a similar injury he picked up in I think 2019 or something along maybe 2020. Um, and that he's you know Van Dyke was one of the best centre backs in the world and it, it is horrendous for Fafana. Um, it's what I do say is he has age on his side in terms of he has a lot of time to recover. He's only 22, but again it's just horrendous and. Yeah, obviously we wish him all the best, but it it, it does leave Chelsea's centre back situation um, with a lot to be said now because I don't like you said I don't think you can let Chalaba go. I was you know I wasn't particularly for him going even when Fofana was fit and well because um, I I think he's a brilliant player and a really good option to have. But I think I said on this show a few weeks back if I was Chalaba I'd potentially be looking at leaving because I think he deserves the chance to flourish elsewhere if he's not going to get it at Chelsea. But yeah, I when you look at Chelsea now have two right-sided centre-backs and two left-sided centre-backs. And then obviously you've got Bashir Humphreys, you've got Malang Sarr, who doesn't look like he has a future at the club. Well, I don't know if it changes now. You, you just don't know. Um, yeah, I, I know there's interest in Humphreys from a lot of sides without knowing who they are. Um, and that, that's been spoken about quite a bit since the summer window opened, but nothing advanced, I don't think. Um, but yeah, good, good to see him doing well, like you said, um, this last night slash this morning. But yeah, just a really tough situation for Chelsea now. There's obviously been talk about Mark Gahey. Um I think he's played a lot of his games at Palace as a left-sided centre-back, so that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe maybe someone who can play right on the right, but it didn't. It kind of confused me when I initially saw it. I think um, Jacob Steinberg of the Guardian reported it first. Uh, initially confused me because 
you think it's the right side they'd need to pick, they'd need to focus on, but perhaps he's one who can do both. Um, and that's why we're looking at him. But yeah, I mean, I know a lot of Chelsea fans weren't happy when they let him go a couple of years ago, and you know, it was almost quite obvious that he'd become a success at Palace. And look, we're a couple of years on now, and the sort of fees being brandished around are like 60, 70 million for him. So it doesn't it doesn't make for great reading for Chelsea as a club. But yeah, nothing I've heard about at the moment. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll move on to the weekend and Brighton. Um, it, I'm not going to ask you to predict the lineup because that's <laughs> impossible. But is it, are there anyone... Is there anyone you'd like to see have more of a chance? Or, you know, there are a few players um, last night who didn't play because of, um, you know, uh, just fly into the US late or haven't trained as much. Is there anyone you'd like to see play on um, Sunday a bit more? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those guys who haven't been involved at all uh, maybe feature over the weekend, maybe a late cameo or something. Uh, I think Colwell is the one everybody's waiting for, probably just to have that bit of reassurance that he, that he will be there. Um, so that that is certainly one to look out for, especially against his old team. I'm sure there'll be eyes everywhere looking at his interactions. Does he uh, celebrate if he scores? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Mudrick looked quite sharp in the open training session. Um, had a couple of good finishes. Uh, so that that'll be interesting. I think he's one everybody is. Hoping can really kick on this season, and yeah, you know, uh, Madrick and Fernandez both exciting players too. So, hopefully, they can start around some minutes, though it still will be pretty early in their comeback. I think on Kunku, I'm looking forward to seeing more from really interested to see whether Hall plays in midfield again. He did get referenced as a midfielder by Pochettino, um, in the press conference before the game, despite he's on the he's on the squad list as a midfielder, yeah. So I just find that one interesting because I think there was some interest in it, or at least looking to perhaps depart Chelsea before he got his, his run in the team and kind of had this bigger role. And I think that's going to be really interesting just how they deal with that. We've spoken before about whether he's more suited to a loan. Probably has Premier League interest now, but maybe this kind of option as a central midfielder and if, if Pochettino is convinced by that, it is something they can keep him around the squad with due to his versatility. Um, it's obviously always very useful. And yeah, that, that's going to be a really interesting one to see, particularly until Chelsea are able to sign a midfielder. Uh, I guess Moises Casido will be an interesting one to see if he if he features. I think he's travelled out to yes. I don't know whether Brighton, did they play last night as well? Maybe are they? Not sure, actually. Should probably show but, that but yeah, I think they're out in the US already as well. So that's going to be a really fascinating one to see. I think that move, maybe there's a little bit of hope that things can progress a little bit with both teams kind of heading to the same location. Um, I think Lawrence Stewart and Paul and Stanley have been with the team the last couple of days, as has Bedag in Bali. So maybe if they travel on to Philly with the team, there can be a few talks with Tony Bloom or they can hopefully find something because obviously that, fee is pretty significant to that Brighton one at the minute um, and it's been slow moving obviously the co- the conversations have been ongoing I think there's a degree of apprehension from Caicedo's camp uh, uh, just kind of not knowing how hard Brighton will push um, for, for what they do want 
so that's going to be really interesting to see. And we'll obviously have the opportunity to ask Brighton about him. Pochettino didn't want to speak, but maybe Roberto De Zerbi will be a bit more forthcoming um, about the situation. And, you know, whether he's involved at all will be interesting in terms of how far along the move is. So I think that's probably the most interesting facet is the kind of Chelsea-Brighton fixture maybe turns a bit more into the Caicedo show. Yeah, I I think that just from social media and um, fans with the whole Colwell and Caicedo thing, I think there's a bit of bad blood between Chelsea and Brighton now, particularly their fans. Um, You know, they seem to be getting frustrated with each other a lot. So I think Sunday will be really interesting to see, um, you know, who gets pre-season bragging rights, I guess. (laughs) As such a thing, and but yeah, it'll be there are a few players you want to see. I say to probably be in one of them. Um, or I, I guess a lot of Chelsea fans would rather see him refuse to play, <laughs> but um, yeah, Colwell, um, Enzo Fernandez as well. I'd love, I'd love to see, um, and obviously, you know, Madaweki come back. Um, if, if they can get any sort of minutes, that'd be great. Yeah, Lewis Hall in midfield, I think, would be pretty ideal because. I think he's just a player you want to see play football and if that can be in a more advanced role than usual, then that, that's great. Um, so you're flying to Philadelphia tonight, I believe? Yeah, yeah, later on today. And then what's your plan before Sunday? Um, are there any more sort of open training sessions or press conferences we need to know about? Um, so, yeah, there will be press conferences um tomorrow will it be still tomorrow your time um i think with with both pochettino and deserbi um so that'll be interesting obviously uh, a lot of Caicedo questions yeah it, it, it's going to be quite something i think in terms of that um let me just check about the open training sessions now um i know that there are going to be a few uh, activities for that they really want to push uh, interaction with the local press and that kind of thing but no we will get a, is a no that's the wrong week sorry there's a big schedule <laughs> for this so I, schedule. I, I, I put you on the spot to be honest I should have done it. Um, I'm still barely acknowledge what did there is open training in Philadelphia at the Novacare complex 6 o'clock on Friday um, so that's one to watch and we're, we're due to get a player in the press conference, um, I guess either with or following Pochettino on Friday as well. So that'll be 12.30 my time. So in the evening, um, we will have the press conferences on Friday and open training will be around 6 p.m. again. So that will be 11 p.m. UK time. So if if you're committed to the cause, probably worth it. I don't know whether it'll be televised yet, but I imagine there'll be some kind of streaming going on. And again, that was that was really interesting um, ahead of ahead of the game uh, yesterday because we did get to see Pochettino work with the 11. He picked for the game a day in advance and we, we saw a second 11 of sorts. And I think that was pretty much the remainder of the squad who were involved. Uh, so maybe we can get a few more hints like that and just see, yeah, the intensity at which they work with. Pochettino in the in the open training was really committed to ensuring that the eleven they would play through their play against some stationary opponents, um, plastic bodies, and the, but then a whistle would be blown, a shout would be made, and they would have to sprint all the way back to start the play again from the goalkeeper. And 
he was sure to to let players know if they weren't moving quite quickly enough. So it's always nice to get those little snippets. Um, the other day we got to see Gary Cahill in a crossbar challenge, and he wiped the floor with Paul Mullen um, of Wrexham <laughs> in that. Hit, hit his first one, hit another one pretty soon afterwards as well. So he's he's still got it to a degree. As as Gary Cahill, who's over here as a ambassador. And yeah, it's just really interesting seeing the coaching staff work. Uh, Bruno Salter has obviously decided to stay at the club with a member of Potter's staff. So it was interesting seeing his role. He was heavily involved in, in setting up some of the warm-up sessions for the players and obviously Jesus Perez and all of Pochettino's new guys as well. It's just good to see them work. Um, and I guess the other thing you mentioned before about who we could see in the team, I guess it's going to be interesting to see who's in goal given they brought so many keepers. Uh, we got Cullian and Bergstrom last night. I guess it's probably not going to be too long until we see Kepper in goal. Um, I'm not sure Slanin has been around yet uh, after his Gold Cup campaign, but maybe he could join up reasonably soon. And um, Eddie Beach out there as well. Uh, so, yeah, like plenty of options in goal to see from. And, yeah, looking looking forward to all that tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll, of course, bring you all of the updates as soon as we can on over on football.london um i think we're gonna wrap it up now guys um if you could please leave a rating on the podcast that would go a long way in helping us um build the podcast uh yeah if you're still around thank you for listening um we will be back probably after the brighton game i'd imagine um early next week with another one of these where we'll talk about that game um hopefully some more progress on um transfers caicedo maybe um but i'm not holding my breath on that one and yeah until next time guys uh take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon